Come with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Ghost Chronicles Next Generation. I am Ryan Kolick, your host, the gatekeeper of the realm of the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable New England Zone Van Helsing. With me, all the way from wherever the hell she is, her dungeon in the great East Bridgewater Castle, and Carrigan. Hey. Hey, good evening. They finally got you. <laughs> well, I was having problems with Skype, so whatever. Okay. That's oh. my wife, wife's computer. She touches stuff, and it always gets screwed up. And it goes kerfluey. Uh-oh. But, you know, in, uh, in, uh, in spirit today with you and, and Steve, my other co-host, I decided to start drinking while I do the show now. <laughs> oh, thank God. <laughs> You know, it just makes it flow so much better. Mm. <laughs> so I have made myself a uh, super duper sup- nutty Irishman supreme. Ooh, nutty Irishman. Just, yep. yep. That's like a lot of guys I know, yeah. Yep. yep. Nutty Irishman. Uh, we, speaking about nutty Irishman, when you have something close, we have a nutty Scottishman. Uh, joining us on the line now is our friend, Mr. Stephen Scott. Hi there, guys. Good evening. Good Hi, evening. Stephen. Hi, uh, hey, everyone. <laughs> Happy uh, whatever it is. What do they Happy call week? the What do they call the crazy Scottish people? Uh, crazy Scottish people. Crazy Scottish people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. Ron, you got to do something about that. Yeah, you know, I nothing. Think we some cough medicine or something. That was, uh, you know, we we've spent. Big bucks for sound effects, so. Always, always. Yeah. We spare so no expense have... here at Ghost Chronicles Next Generation. No expense. Right. So, uh, Steve, do you have a drink along with the rest of us? I do indeed. There you Thank go. Thank God. What do, you, what do you got? What do you got, uh, my friend? Tea. <laughs> there you go. He's he's living large. Yeah. That's it. Absolutely. So I, I, I've come up with this wonderful drink. It's the uh, Nutty Irishman Supreme, which is like a regular Irishman, except it's a latte with whipped cream, Angelica, and uh, Bailey's. So there you go. And it's warm for these cold nights. Oh, my goodness. It's not that cold tonight. Whatever. It's cold enough. (laughs) (laughs) We'll pretend it's cold. It's cold somewhere in the world, as we say. That's right. Well, you know what? It was pretty cold here the other night. It was like 20, 29 degrees. Really? Yeah. Monday night. Okay. So anyways, uh, Stephen, enough about our drinking habits. Uh, Halloween is coming up. And, of course, in the Woo-hoo! United States, United States, it's a huge holiday, almost as big as Christmas. Uh, so do you have Halloween over there in Scotland? Yes, we do. Kind of. Kind of. 
<laughs> you guys do Halloween so well. Uh, you really do. And uh, I would go over there just for Halloween. You know, and, and live there for that three-week period on the run-up to and the run-out of Halloween. Um, it's it's not really celebrated here much oh, at all. Uh, we used to get, um, you know, what you would call, well, what you call trick-or-treaters coming round. Yeah, we call yeah, them yeah. geysers. Geysers? Geysers. As in, they wore a guise, they wore a mask. Oh, uh, I, I was thinking they, like, you know, threw water Expouts. at you or something. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> I'm dressed as a whale. <laughs> I'm a geyser. Um, <laughs> but, um, or you could be an old geyser. You could uh, be. Like yes. Ron. Yeah. Like me. Yeah. Like Jane <laughs> Absolutely. But, uh, no, it's, uh, I think it really has died over here now. Um, I think I can safely say for the past five or six years, we've not even had one person round. Really? On Halloween. Now, either well, it's died a death or they've decided to give us a wide berth because we're just too weird. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> but no, you don't see anyone out at all. It's a great shame. Even the, the stores, uh, myself and my wife went looking for, or well, let me rephrase that, my wife dragged me to the stores looking for decorations. And uh, what we saw were Christmas decorations going up in September. Oh, oh, that, oh, Excellent. don't, don't Excellent. even get me going. Oh, gives me the rage. Oh, it, oh, that makes me crazy. Yeah, it does. No, that makes so, me crazy. Yeah, sadly, it's just, it's not celebrated here really at all. Or certainly where, where we are, etc. it's not really done. There are parties and pubs and clubs, but it's not what it used to be. I remember going out as a child and, um, scare each other senseless walking around the streets where I lived uh, chapping on doors and uh, you know uh-huh. you had to sing a song or tell a story or read a poem mm-hmm. or tell a joke and they would you know give you some sweets and uh, or things like that you know you know if you're really unlucky you would get fruit um, <laughs> with with and, razor blades in the middle of it <laughs> no nothing like that no no, no. No, that's good. No, just fruit. Yeah, <laughs> that's worse. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. When you want a Snickers bar and you get an apple, that's 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 a bad. That's, that's a bad pretty door. terrible. That's a bad. I wonder bad. where that whole disparity comes in between, you know, uh, you know, European countries, and I mean, I don't know how other countries celebrate it, but I mean, why the why the difference? You know, tradition. What do you mean, why the difference? Why the big difference? Well, that's, a, that's a silly question. Why? Because it's a different country. We all celebrate Christmas. Not the same. Well, but in different ways. We all still celebrate Christmas. Well, Halloween, hello, is not like a real holiday. Well, it was uh, based in a religious holiday, like a lot of our celebrations. Oh, it was. What religious holiday is this based on, uh, Ann Kerrigan? All Hallows' Eve. All Hallows Eve, yes. Yeah. Okay. What is All Hallows Eve, uh, Ann Kerrigan? It's a celebration of uh, the deceased, I believe, in the Catholic Church. You are thinking about All Saints Day and All Souls Day. Okay. Was Halloween not sowing or sowing as it used to be called? Yeah, that's what it used to be. It's it's a pagan holiday, to, basically, to start with, and the Catholic Church took it and said, right. okay. We, we rechanged it over and made it All Souls Day and all things. So, but it has nothing to do with Halloween, which is totally different. 
It's a commercial holiday, basically. <laughs> well, whatever. So is Christmas. Uh, at this no, point. not quite. Not quite. Good well, try. But, uh, yeah, no. It is to me. Yeah, of course it is. I mean, I'm Catholic, and I know it's supposed to be about Jesus' birth, but it's, we all know it's not. Right. It's about eggnog. It's, Spike yep. Eggnog. <laughs> yep. Anyways. Yeah, that nutty Irish is good. It's in, the eye, it's in the eye of the beholder, man. You know? Exactly. That's all exactly. I'm saying. Yep. So, anyways, that's why I, 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 you know, had Stephen come on the show, because, you know, it's such a huge holiday over here. But we think it's like that on all parts of the world, but it isn't. Um, but how it had its roots in Europe? Not really. It's a commercial holiday. Okay. Okay. If anybody knows about this, give us a call at uh, 877-864-4869 or join us in either the Tojanet or Pararex chat room and straighten us out because evidently we are so confused we don't know what the hell uh, I am not confused at all because I'm telling you what I researched this oh here we go she researched I did I have researched it and it started in the European countries and they caused yes. little turnips instead exactly. of exactly yes I and they had to go door to door and they had to uh, beg for food oh and yeah that's, that's just like a holiday yeah, that's just like our holiday. Yeah. That's how it started. Yeah, well. Fine. And then it came here. Oh, look it. Look it. Who'll put this up in, in, in chat, Mr. Ron? Chat put it up. Where is it? I don't see anything in chat. Via Wikipedia, Halloween, a contraction of All Hallows Evening. Yeah. Or All Saints Eve is a yearly celebration observed in a number of countries on 31st October. Yes. Of Western Christian Feast of All Hallows Day. Yes. The time in the liturgical year dedicated to remembering the dead, including saints, yes. and Keep all people departed believers. Mm-hmm. 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 All Hallows Eve is a Christianized feast, Christianized feast, influenced by Celtic harvest festivals with pagan roots. That's because the freaking Catholics steal everything. So there you go. That tells us it's just like our holiday where we send our little bratty kids out door to door begging for candy and toy uh, paper uh, people's uh, houses and throwing eggs at them. Yeah, that's, I can see that. It's right in that. I never threw uh, eggs. Well, you lived a deprived childhood. Anyway, Steve, Steven's here. Can we talk to Steven? Yes, I'd love to talk to Steven. All right, fine. I can you. Yeah, what? I, I need some more nutty Irish. Mm. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, evidently, they don't celebrate Halloween in Scotland. It, so, you growing up, you never had that problem, Stephen, right? Of have to, you know, celebrate in Halloween. Yes, we, I mean, we did get dressed up. Uh, uh-huh. mind, I, I, I'm talking 35 years ago. Um, <laughs> so, it's, it, it's a long time ago. Uh, and I do remember getting getting dressed up for Halloween and, uh, you know, going out uh, guising, as we called it, uh, yep. trick-or-treating um, and having to do the as I say, the stories or the jokes or sing a song uh, at the door uh-huh. um, and it was, I, I have some good memories of that, we would occasionally have parties as, as well, however what I should say is, we, myself and my wife we carried this into our adulthood because when uh, our daughter was growing up we were the ones that held the Halloween party. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
we had some great fun and adventures doing that. I even had a friend one year who we secreted up the loft who could do good owl impressions, and I sent him <laughs> up there with enough drinks videos, <laughs> and food to last him about four hours. Awesome. With feathers. And we told the children that our house was haunted by the ghost of an owl. <laughs> Any time one of them tried to go up the ladder, he would drop some feathers and do a noise. And they would oh. be terrified and run away. But they knew it was only pretend. Although one of the parents did think we were serious um, mm -hmm. at the end of it. Uh, yeah, <laughs> enough said about that one. But, uh, and they had a great time we would have, uh, you, you know, those kind of hidden boxes, like the hell holes where you put your hand in and you don't know what's in there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really jelly-covered um, broccoli, but you pretend it's a brain. Ah. <laughs> oh, things like this. Uh, you know, all the you know, spaghetti with bits in it that were worms. And Love that. Fun. We had really good fun. Good um, stuff. Yeah, and we brought all that into our daughter's childhood cause, because we wanted to celebrate it. Mm -hmm. And eventually, you know, it got... Eventually, they get a bit old for it, and it becomes a bit passe to them. But um, I would, I would hold one next week if I thought I could get people. <laughs> to be honest, uh, well, Dan and I'll be there. <laughs> we'll be there. We'll be there in Scotland if he has a party. Absolutely, yeah, we'll, I'll make sure you would go. Of... Hmm? I'm going to be in Atlanta. I'm sorry, at Walker Stalker Con. Oh, okay. Fine. I'm going to be out with the zombies on Halloween. Now, that's okay. something that does happen here. They do zombie walks in some cities. But I've not seen any advertised this year. Oh. So that, that, that does happen. And, but, again, it's not for children. It's right. for adults. And <laughs> they'll watch. Maybe, you know, you'll maybe get kids watching it. But, um, it, you know, growing up in Scotland, Halloween was always for the kids. That was mm -hmm. the way I, it was always looked at. But, as I say... You guys do it so much better. And oh, bigger. fantastic. The, wow. Yeah, that's no fun just for the kids. No way. Mm -mm. Right, yeah. <laughs> Perhaps it's that British mentality, you know, that grow up and get on with it type of thing. You know, you're too <laughs> old for this now. It, it is pretty endemic in our society here. You're not allowed mm -hmm. to have fun. You're over 18. Beat it. <laughs> <laughs> get out, yeah. get out and work 80 hours a week. Well. <laughs> there are some more serious aspects of Halloween. For example, Edinburgh, the, the Pagan Society, I think it's called. I, I'm probably wrong with that name. Uh, but they hold a firewalk uh, at Halloween. Not one that you walk, necessarily walk on fire, but it's, it's an actual fire procession that mm -hmm. goes up Arthur's Seat, which is a large hill outside of Edinburgh. Mm -hmm. uh, and there's a fire procession away up there. Uh, Edinburgh City actually does some very good things at Halloween but again it's more grown up mm -hmm. things that are going on um, you know those type of activities uh, we were there one year and it was uh, really impressive to see all the things going on if, if we can get up there this year I'll take some photos and send them over to you Oh, cool. oh that sounds very cool I would yeah. love that some of the ghost places I'm getting shouted at in the background here from my wife she's just reminded me of all the stuff that happens uh, <laughs> Places like Mary King's Close uh, do special ghost tours and the underground vaults do ghost tours. Uh, the Greyfriars Gate Graveyard, which is a, a very unusual place at Halloween because some Edinburgh people actually just dress up and go and sit in tombs Ooh. for whatever reason. 
I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why they do it. And even the tour guide that took us round one year said, I have no idea why these people do this. <laughs> they must just live in a dark cupboard for the entire year and then come out for that one year, live in a dark tomb, then go back into their cupboard. They just... They just yeah. sit in there. They don't. They don't participate they don't like do in the tour. No, they don't do anything. They're not paid for by the tour. They're not part of the tour. They're just weird. Just, just funning people. That's that's fun. Yeah, that's odd. That's really yeah, it's odd. Strange. But yeah, it's it's good. But it takes you through the Greyfriars graveyard as well. You know. Oh, cool. Area. So where the Mackenzie Poltergeist, the tomb of Mackenzie is as well. Oh, I was going to ask you about that since you brought it up, Stephen. Is have you been there to the, uh, you know, the the uh, graveyard and uh, yes. all that crap? Yeah. Did you? The... Hmm? Did you experience anything? I mean, they got all kinds of supposedly, you know, tours. Where they had to yeah. cancel them for a while because the people would get scratched and mm. all that yes. stuff. There's the uh, the section of Greyfriars graveyard and the Covenanters prison, where. Uh, the Covenanters were basically kept out in the open and, you know, forced to, if I remember right, were forced to give up their religious beliefs for food and shelter. And some of them lasted a long, long time out in the open before eventually dying, all this type of thing. Uh, It's a a pretty horrific story. Uh, On top of that, you you, you have the stories of the Mackenzie Poltergeist in Greyfriars. I've, I've walked around Greyfriars Cemetery many times uh, when I've been working in Edinburgh, mm-hmm. and it's it really is an interesting place. Uh, they do claim that there are a lot of bodies under the ground, possibly the most one of the largest mass burial sites you know. in the world. Yeah, I hope they're under the ground. That's a good yes, thing. You know. I think they're talking about well under, as in it's a mass burial site as well, uh-huh. if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're talking about, I can't remember the number exactly, but it is a lot. Uh, I'm sure it was in something like six figures that they gave us, five or six figures. Wow. Uh, but the only way they can prove that is by digging the place up, I suppose. Um, <laughs> but, uh, to answer your question, Ron, uh, have, have I experienced anything there? Um, not really, no. There are some wonderful stories, and I think that stories become... Tales, tales become legends, legends become myth sometimes when it comes around to these things. Uh, we were there one Halloween and we were lucky enough to have the tour around the place. And oh, cool. the, the most disturbing thing I saw were literally these people just sitting in empty tombs with no roofs, <laughs> uh, just staring at you. You know, it's, uh, it takes a lot more than that to scare out people who have to work in Glasgow. Um, <laughs> You can see what it's like just going home at night. Um, but at the same time, uh, the, the Mackenzie tomb, perhaps it's just to do with the stories behind it, but there is a rather uneasy feel about it, I'll be honest. I didn't particularly like it. Uh, it just made me a little wary of it. Uh, I believe there's... I can't remember exactly, but I believe there, that... There was also traces of... It, you can get into it. There were also traces of plague found down there, way down deep in the base of the tomb. But there are lots of stories about how the Mackenzie poltergeist first came into being and you know people's encounters with right. things. I seem to remember there was one story about a gentleman who took refuge inside the tomb 
mm-hmm. and fell through the floor, landed on the bones of Mackenzie himself, and oh, I think that's where yeah. it all started. Yeah. Uh, that's what started the kind of anger of the the poltergeist, as it were. Hi. <laughs> Uh, and there's various stories of people being scratched. Uh, you know, some people claim to have been, if I remember correctly, followed home. I've actually got a book on the subject called "The Ghost That Haunted Itself," mm-hmm. which ah. is the Mackenzie uh, tomb. Uh, however, I have to hold my hand up and say I've not read it. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's so many tales. I mean, is <laughs> that's that's the same graveyard where that uh, that dog is, right? The statue or whatever it is. Greyfriars Bobby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, he's buried just outside Greyfriars Graveyard, if I remember correct. Aww. Do you, do you know the story behind that? Uh, Greyf- uh, I do, but I don't. It's been so long since I've, I've studied that. Um, I can't remember what happened, what the actual story of Greyfriars Bobby is. Uh, it's a very iconic character. Um, I believe... No. I couldn't, I couldn't tell you exactly what the story is. It's completely escaping me at the moment. Um, but uh, all I know is, is that the dog was not allowed to be buried um, within the cemetery grounds. I seem to remember he, he, he kept going back to the grave of his master and sleeping. His ma- yeah, his master and staying died. Staying on top he, of it. Yeah, and he, for a and long he still time. got over the grave yeah. until he died. Yeah. And when he died, they wouldn't, the church wouldn't allow him to be buried inside holy ground, mm-hmm. but he's buried just outside the fence. As close to his master as he could get within the confines yeah. of the church, but it's one of those stories where attachment between a man and you know the dog, and you know, sadly, the owner passes away, but the dog continues to bury, uh, to visit the burial site, and people would feed him and care for him, and Aww. those types it's, of things. It's I just googled it, and it says um, that the the dog's master, Edinburgh police officer John Gray, yep. uh, the, yeah. died. And uh, supposedly the dog famously slept on his grave for 13 years. Yeah. And um, it says now the dog statue is opposite the graveyard's gate. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's so sweet. I love it. Um, But it is, I just put a link up on uh, a Ghost Chronicles Next Generation page for the Greyfriars Kirkyard. And that story is, it's a Wikipedia thing, so... Mm -hmm. It's uh, so kind of all inclusive, yeah. Because I, so I know it's true. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but there are similar stories from all over the world. If you go looking oh, yeah. for it, oh, yeah. you, you know, there's there's a very famous one of a dog in Japan called Inu. I think it was Inukai. Its name was. It's actually got a statue as well. It visited the train station, I think, where its owner always alighted from, mm-hmm. as well. And those types of stories go on. So there must be. A, there's always a strong bond between people and dogs. I feel. Yeah, actually, and dogs and dogs as well. We just had a story here in the news not too long ago where these two dogs went missing. And what it was is one of the smaller dogs had fallen down like a well. And oh. the other dog stood guard with them. And, and he would run to the, the house to try to get help. And uh, then he would go back to the, the dog. They were missing for about a week until finally uh, one of the houses that uh, he went to, the woman came back and uh, found them both. And uh, they rescued him. Mm-hmm. But that yep. dog was devoted that. to that other dog as well. So I mean, that's dogs are you know they're pretty uh, loyal, mm-hmm. unlike some people I know. Mm. That's true. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, uh, anyways, 
uh, there's also other stories associated uh, with that area, too. And I'm trying to think of the names of the guys, but they Birkin were great. They were grave robbers. Do you remember the grave robbers? Yes, Birkin Hare. Yeah. Yep, that was them. Uh, they stole bodies for, if I remember rightly, the medical profession to work upon. Oh, right. yeah. was, uh, if I remember correctly, it was not legal for the medical profession to acquire oh. bodies to practice them, their <laughs> uh, examinations on. So, uh, if I remember rightly, Birkin Hare. They dug up well, freshly buried corpses and took them back to the doctors for well, investigation. What happened? Yeah, what happened was, yeah, they were doing that, but then they started posting uh, people around because there were being so many graves stolen uh, yes. that they had came up with this another new scheme. They had a boarding house, <laughs> and so uh, some of the boarders would begin to disappear. Oh, That's right. they were suffocated. Yeah, they, yep. they were sat upon and suffocated. Oh my and, God. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's pretty and, horrible. And the, the most interesting thing of the whole thing is uh, one of one of them, they were, they were caught eventually and, and hung. And one of them actually ended up as a uh, skeleton for a university. <laughs> How fitting. How fitting. <laughs> and that's also why, didn't they, they started to put... Um, not only, I mean, they used to put the wolf stones on the graves to, to keep the animals from getting in, but they also yep. did, like, the cages over the top to prevent the grave robbers from getting in. Exactly. Yeah. And that's where people come up with all these ideas that, you know, there's uh, vampires and everything. That's why uh, she was a witch, and that's right. why they, they did it. It wasn't. Mm-hmm. It's, it's all logical mm-hmm. uh, stuff. But we like, we like to make legends and stories up and... Soon you know it, it gets on Wikipedia and it's fact. That's so, right. There you go. There you go. <laughs> so, uh, Stephen, one thing I know we're coming up on the break, um, but can you tell me Halloween? Is it any different for you, uh, spiritual wise, uh, when dealing with? Because you're a medium in, in dealing yes. with spirit. Yes, it is. And oh, that's a perhaps, good answer. <laughs> perhaps, perhaps not in the way you might expect. Mm-hmm. What I find as a medium is that as it gets nearer Halloween, the belief that the veil gets thinner actually draws more people's attention to it. Mm. Harry Price, I am speaking to you via the medium of the ghost box. Many of you will know I carried out the first live radio broadcast from Haunted House way back in 1936 for the BBC. Now, thanks to the wonders of modern technology, I am still able to keep abreast of 21st century ghost hunting by listening to Ghost Chronicles International on Togginet, Para-X Radio, The Ghost Channel, and even on something called a podcast. Two splendid chaps host it. One is an American who calls himself New England's own Van Helsing, although I have discovered his real name is Ron Kolek. The other is Stephen Parsons, and he's a paranormal scientist. Well, mustache, I'm required elsewhere on something called a K2. But don't forget, I'll be listening in every Tuesday from 8 o'clock in Great Britain and 3 o'clock on the American Eastern Seaboard. I trust you will join me there. 
Welcome to Toginet, radio with a cutting edge. Feel the need to do some soul searching or make some changes in your life to create a more positive future? Then Circles of Wisdom is just the place for you. Circles of Wisdom is a metaphysical bookstore and more, located on Route 28 in downtown Andover, Massachusetts. We carry a large selection of books and music, crystals and gemstones, jewelry and gifts, sage, aromatherapy, and so much more, all in a relaxing and welcoming atmosphere. We offer classes on a variety of topics like yoga, Reiki, psychic development, alternative healing, and personal transformation. For guidance on this journey we call life, get a reading from one of our many readers at Circles of Wisdom, 90 Main Street in downtown Andover, right next to Bertucci's. Call us at 978-474-8010 or check us out on the web at www.circlesofwisdom.com. Lots to see and do in a feel-good place, an oasis in this hectic world. And welcome back to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation with Ron and Anne and our special guest this evening all the way from Scotland, Stephen Scott. Hi there, Ron. We're back. Anyways, before the break, we were asking you about uh, if Halloween as a medium, you found it any different than any other time of the year when speaking to spirit or, or dealing with spirit. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And the, the answer may be slightly more surprising because I find that as it gets nearer to Halloween, people become much more aware of what we refer to as that thinning of the veil between worlds. And whether that thinning occurs or whether more people are directing their focus towards thoughts of their loved ones, that this might be a good time to contact them. I find that there is a little of a spike in both emotions and uh, the way people recall memories whenever they reach this time of year. Uh, I tend to think that, I I have noticed that more people want to come for, will will come to churches, for example. If if I do a church service and then round about that Halloween week, it's pretty packed. Really? Yeah, yeah, I've I've Hmm. found them really busy, uh, surprisingly. And I think it's because people believe that because the the veil is reportedly thinner, that Uh there's more chance of a message coming through. Which is interesting because that's all to do with people's perception of how that type of communication and energy works. Which is not necessarily, spirit don't need that time of year to come through. They can come through any time. And they do it with us all through our lives. Spirit are always in contact with us. But for some reason I think the human part of us needs that either that reason to go or needs that chance to be... Perhaps I'll get a message because things are thinner. Um, mm. It's it's interesting, but I always find that churches get a little busier. Hmm. It's strange, ah. and yeah. I think it's to do with that belief that oh, the veil is thin, therefore. You, you, but on the flip side, you also get more people thinking there's there's things happening in their house. <coughs> Whenever I do go to churches, people come up with things going on. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, oh, I've lights flickering on and off. Oh, my TV goes up and down <laughs> in the volume and. Uh, people come up with some really unusual things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, as I say, 99.9% of which you can explain away to them if you take the time. Um, mm-hmm. One that springs to my mind was I had a girl come up to me with a photograph. I'd just finished the church. It was about two years ago. It was in my own town of Kilmarnock. And she came up and said, just out of nowhere, she said, 
I think I'm being haunted, look at this photograph. And I'm looking at the <laughs> photograph, and she's standing there, and there's a bush behind her. A bush. A bush. A, a bush. A bush. And <laughs> uh, the light had reflected onto the bush and created a shadow on the wall behind her. And she said, there's a shadow person stalking me. <laughs> and I said, I, said, I said, don't tell me every time you turn around there's a shadow there and it's upsetting you. Uh, and I made light of it, you know, because let's face it, if we all turn around, the chances are there's a shadow behind us. Oh, uh, yeah. But she was some, adamant. Until I explained to her, uh, what was happening was a, a case of pareidolia. Her mind uh-huh. was creating images within the shadows. Oh, okay. That I, I couldn't see, no one else could see, but she could see. But really, it just looked like the shadow of a bush. Ah, you know, so it's, I, I think at this time of year, I think people get a little bit more scared. I think's the way to say it. And they become more believable at this time of year that things can happen. And that's what I've always found. Either that or the crazy ones all come out at this time of year for a week or two and then go away again. Um, but certainly when it comes to people who attend churches, I find everyone a bit more open. What that does is it brings more people in, it raises the energy and it it gives you better connections, it gives you more energy to work with on that evening, which is interesting. Christmas is another big time that happens, strangely enough. Hmm. Well, yeah. you know, I, I feel like people, emotions run high at certain times, like, yeah, you know, the major, the major holidays, and, and when people aggravate women, yeah, exactly. uh, emotions do run really high. But, um, no, but I, I feel like there's so much more energy. Like, I feel like there's a lot of energy on Halloween. And I, I, I feel it's not just me. I mean, I just, like, there's something about that day that it's just, it's heightened. And, and you know, I think that maybe it's anticipation. Maybe it's, it's you know, just expectations. And Christmas is the same way. And I think that it all contributes to extra energy, you know, yeah. don't you think? Yes, completely. Uh, mm-hmm. That's exactly it, is that mm-hmm. everyone is focused in one place at that one time. And I, that's think when... I think they're just totally bugged out. I think that's the problem. <laughs> too much sugar. Uh, yeah, evidently. <laughs> or too much, what is it you're drinking? Uh... Now the Irishman. Next time you that's come over, I'll, next time you come over, I'll, I'll introduce it to you. He's going to set you up. <laughs> To the supreme. It's the supreme. It, that's the best part. I'll have to give you the recipe for the crazy Scotsman. Oh, yeah. I'm liking that already. See? Crazy it's Scotsman. simple. Rip, you, first, you take a whiskey. Uh-huh. That's it. That's it. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, that's crazy, all right? Bam! <laughs> yeah. Anyways, um, I, I actually have a question for you because this is a thing we've been debating uh, as you know, Stephen, I do these red light seances uh, every yes. first Tuesday of the month, and, and they've been going on since February. So, um, you know, they, we've had a, a lot of interesting results. So, but what they've turned into is more evidential uh, mediumship rather than physical mediumship. Mm-hmm. And and when you are at the spiritualist church, is it more of that? It's more evidential, right, than physical? Yes, yes, it is. Uh, <laughs> there was a, a huge uh, surge of physical mediumship back in the very early days of spiritualism. And mm-hmm. this had both a positive point and a negative point. Uh, 
the positive point was was that when spiritualism resurfaced, we'll say that because it's it's been around forever. But yeah. when when this particular um, persona, you know, of spiritualism arose, of this type of communication arose, uh, it had to do so in the middle of industrial revolution. Uh, you know, great changes within the world, um, uh, burgeoning system of uh, existing religion within certain places, and it had to be seen. And what I've always found is that spirit chose to come through physically because that was something that was very difficult to dispute. Mm -hmm. However, at the same time, it was also something that could be fraud. Yeah. Fraudulated? Is that even a word? Yeah. I'm just making up English now. Um, <laughs> That's all right. I do that all the time. Fraudulated. Except, it's acceptable on this show. Trust me. It's, it's a Ron-ism. It's okay. Yeah, I've yeah, got it's, a absolutely. leg. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, but at the same time, while it provided good evidence, it, it was also something that could be replicated and, mm -hmm. you, you know discounted at certain points but it got itself noticed mm -hmm. and what I personally believe is that as things have pro progressed over the years it no longer needs that sudden boom here we are effect it's tapering away into the more evidential style mediumship because mm -hmm. people now believe and know that spirit are there that they're there for us that they're there to communicate with us to help us and we don't need that huge hit of evidence, you know, coins materialising out of thin air and dropping onto tables, for example. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we don't need that anymore, which is why I believe there's been a tapering off in that physical aspect of mediumship. It's still very widely undertaken. Uh, and I know a couple of colleagues of mine who've been fortunate enough to attend very powerful physical mediumship sitting. I, I would love to speak to them. You'll have to give me, see if you could, that could be arranged for me. Uh, sure, because, I, I can give you some contact details of people who would, who've uh, apparently had uh, gifts from spirit, for example. Uh, but um, the problem is that they weren't there when it happened. Yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. I have, I, you know, talk about materialization. I, I mean, I have uh, the uh, seven coins from a seance that was right after World War II, and they tried to make contact with uh, one of the uh, participants' brothers who had died during the war, and these coins materialized on the table. There were seven of them, and uh, it, it was documented. And so, I mean, that's, I mean, uh, to me, I, I love that stuff, is, which is why I, I, I'm attempting these seances as well. Not only just for, uh, you know, it, it's more for documentation. It's it's both. Okay, don't get me wrong. So we had come up with this idea, anyways, and I wanted to run your running pastor. It's a two-hour seance. So we were thinking of doing like the first hour as a purely physical seance, where we would speak to spirit and only ask them to do physical. Um, uh, what's, what am I looking for? Uh, whatever. Physical stuff, and then take a break, and then come back and do evidential. Is, is that possible, like, for a medium to be able to shut herself off and, and just concentrate only on materialist things? I mean, yeah, physical yes, things? Yes, absolutely. Yes, uh, a lot of mediums are... People who have been trained in physical mediumship uh, are able to maneuver between the two. Um, with a short break, I don't think that would be a problem. Okay, I know a couple cool. of physical mediums who 
are also evidential mediums. Mm-hmm. Um, what they tend to do, though, is people tend to kind of take a line and prefer to work only in one field. Right. Uh, for various reasons. I know plenty of platform mediums who've now stopped doing platform work, uh, you know, uh, gallery work, and right. um, started now focusing on physical mediumship. Because oh, cool. that's the guidance they've been given from Spirit, is to mm-hmm. stop doing what you're doing just now, focus on this. And that can happen uh, within the course of anyone's, you know, mediumship development because we're in constant development. Um, so, yeah, there's, there's, I don't see a reason why that should be possible because I mean, you we never have- forget what you've learned. We've had amazing results with the evidential stuff. I mean, I mean, I don't know how many times I had to run for tissues and stuff, but, yeah. uh, but you know, as I, the the primary goal of that that seance was originally physical mediumship that was to evolve into it. Um, and I, I spoke to uh, we had her on the show I think last week or the week before, and that was Jenny uh, May who actually attends some of these, and she's right. gone to Arthur Finley three times and. Uh, she was saying that you, what you do is you invite the actually the the spirits that can do physical mediumship themselves. In other words, uh, there are like us, there are spirits that uh, are more stronger. Adept, yeah, yeah, more adept to do physical stuff versus uh, just to get messages across. Have you ever heard of that before? Yes, I have. Uh, the main difference for me between physical mediumship and evidential mediumship is that when you undertake physical mediumship you do have to surrender a lot of yourself over to whatever's happening now whether that's and this is it's almost like a stage well for me it's a stage beyond trans mediumship uh, whereby the medium is working through you to generate effects actually within the physical nature of the room that you're in, whether that's to move an object, you know, create something, airport, you know, mm-hmm. asport, I bring something in, take something away, or to make a sound, to get a, a direct voice coming from somewhere within the room, um, to transfigure and change mm-hmm. someone's face, um, which is actually something I've done myself. Oh, really? Cool. In church, yes. We, oh, did a re- uh, we did red light transfiguration once. Oh. And... Um, Actually, when we were, I was doing a charity night as well, and uh, in between delivering messages, uh, there was myself and one other. I was starting to go into quite a deep state uh, when I, it was when my colleague was up delivering messages, and my wife literally saw my mother's face transcend over the front Ooh. of me. Wow! Uh, which I found very interesting um, when she told me about it because I felt something happened during that and uh, obviously being close to her uh, it was easier for her to do that just to give me a little energy boost Um, but uh, with regards to the actual creation of that energy I don't, I've not physically tried to do you know, I'm sorry, I've not personally tried to do physical mediumship but Mm -hmm. speaking to people who do do it is that when spirit come in they are essentially using you I believe as the anchor Mm-hmm. rather than using you as the channel, if that makes sense. Yeah, You're still absolutely. channeling that energy in, but they're anchoring through you to get a grounding into the physical world so they can manipulate. Okay. Wow. And that's why I think you you can't afford to allow any part of yourself to influence that. So, Otherwise, you might sever that connection. 
so if you have, I mean, we, we talk about, uh, we, we do this around a table where we have a group that's connected. So are, you, are they drawing upon the whole group's energy or are they drawing just upon the medium's energy? Well, that's interesting because uh, it could be a bit of both, to be honest, Ron. What you could be getting here is a mix of both physical mediumship and psychokinesis. It depends how it takes place. Mm-hmm. Um, generally, uh, some of the seances that I've seen done, particularly for trans with a little bit of physical mediumship on the side, the medium is actually separated from the group. Oh. They, were in the, they were in the trans tent with nothing round yep. about. And the, you know, the, uh, their hands the were co- connected yep. down, all this type of thing. Uh, yep. So the, the medium wasn't given any contact with the group whatsoever. Oh, wow. That's different. No, that's uh, actually the way they used to do it. I, I think oh, really? I've never heard of that. Yeah, it's, it's called the... Uh, it's not a me- Is it a medium cabinet? It's a cabinet, right? It's Spirit a cabinet. cabinet. It's, it's just called yeah. the cabinet. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so, that's, that's how it always was, actually, and, and going way, way, way back uh, to the time of, like, Houdini and, you know, the 30s yeah. and way back. Yeah, because yeah, they would actually tie the... Uh, the hands and well, the feet, yeah. the hands and feet of the uh, uh, medium. Sometimes they would have a curtain over it, um, depending on, on the particular setup. Yep. In fact, oh. the mediums were even removed of all clothing, strip searched. Oh yeah. Oh, oh my gosh. The reason <laughs> being, Anne, is because giving how given how good some people were at stage magic and prestidigitation right. and things like this, it was easy yep. to conceal objects about their clothing in their person. Yeah. Um, and uh, it, it was easy for them to produce, you know, um, what was that, that kind of fine linen cloth, I forget what you call it. It's, people were caught doing this, uh, producing it from within the folds of their own clothing. And some people secreted these things. Some people used to swallow it, yeah. it just, yep. to, just to fake yep. this type of thing as well. But well. unfortunately, that totally discredits anyone who was able to produce any sort of physical manifestation because they all get tabbed with the same brush. Right. Exactly. Right. Well, I mean, that was... Go ahead, Anne. I'm sorry. Well, I was going to say, I mean, but that was one of the things that Houdini did as a ma- magician is that he would hide objects and they would strip search him as well. Mm-hmm. You know, but it was, you know, it was magic. That's why was Houdini uh, why he exposed right. him. He was able to expose him. I mean, in fact... Right. And you know, Marjorie, one of the most famous cases, the one in Boston. She was she used to be naked all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, yeah, her and her husband actually. So it was kind of a little strange, but whatever. Uh, right. And you know, the problem is, I mean, we go back to all the stuff with the paranormal. You have so much fakery. You, I mean, you have you know, um, Mumbler taking you know fake photographs, and you have. Uh, Hope in uh, the UK doing the same thing, and and uh, so many uh, and mediumship. You have you know so many people applying uh, trickery to it as well. It, it, yeah. As as Stephen says, they're all painted by that one thing, one brush. I mean, you know, look at the Patriots. Do I have to say more? <laughs> Excuse <Yeah>. me. <laughs> what? I forgot you're blonde. That's right. Yes, that the Patriots have been painted by that one brushstroke because they cheat all the time because they're the Patriots. They do? Yeah. Really? Yeah, just ask anybody outside of 495. They will tell you that, yeah. Um, okay. The rest of the country, actually. <laughs> yeah, 
well, they don't cheat. So yeah, that's your country. So anyways, uh, it's, that's what makes it it's so difficult to try to prove any of this, uh, Stephen. And, and to you, is proof needed or you just do what you do no matter what anyway? Well, it's, I, I have a firm, I know spirit exists through mm-hmm. my experiences. And I would hope that anyone who receives a message also gets that, that knowledge that their loved ones are not gone. They're just changed, but they're still there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's, to me, what spiritualism is all about. And I believe that physical mediumship is exactly the same. Uh, there are so many times that you hear about things where a physical action has prevented something from happening. For example, um, I'll give you a very simple example, is that you might lose your car keys, and you might spend five minutes looking for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's just place some position here. And you eventually find them in a place you've already looked. Then you get into your car, you go off onto the interstate or the motorway, and literally five minutes down the road, there's a fatal car crash that you mm-hmm. could have been involved in. <coughs> mm-hmm. um, is that intervention? Is it you preempting what's going to happen? Everything about this is experiential. Now, some people would say a guardian angel looked after me that day. That's right. Some yeah. would say my mother and spirit must have been looking out for me, or my granddad must have been looking out for me. Right. Some people will think I lost know, my car keys. I lost my car keys. <laughs> yeah. It's all down to how people experience and how they choose to interpret that. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that personally that if someone says to me, "Prove it," my attitude is, "Well, you know." Who are you to ask me to prove it? Mm-hmm. It's down to me and whoever I'm working with. If they choose to accept the knowledge and the truth that I'm giving them, that we are both experiencing, then that's between us. It's nothing to do with a third party. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's, that, that's why I view it. If you have your red light seance and you have people there and they're experiencing things, that's real. And no one has the right to tell them otherwise. That's uh, true. That's, that, that's how I view it. It's between them and that experience. Mm-hmm. And because someone else could get the exact same message or information and it would affect them in a totally different way. Right. Well, that's because that's our entire reality is, is all filtered through us anyways and our beliefs and our thoughts and everything. Everything we see and hear and everything is filtered through us. There is, you know, so what is really true is not that definitive when because you're dealing with many, many, many filters. Mm-hmm. That's right, yeah. I mean, a couple of hundred years ago, if you had gone out into a boat, you could have fell off the edge of the world. Yeah. Right. Because that was our understanding of the world at the time. Mm-hmm. You know, right now, uh, as things stand, we have a very limited understanding of what's going on round about us. And people like yourselves and like all of those involved in any type of spiritual work or work to connect one human being or one spirit to another. You know, even people who work in fields of psychology are discovering new things about the brain every every other week. Uh, we don't know anything really about what's going on around about us. And that's just that's just being part that's the part of being human. That's part of this learning process that we have chosen to go through is to try and understand and overcome the obstacles that we put in our own way. 
so that we can get in touch with what's really important to us, you know, the spirit within us, so that we can get in touch with that within our daily lives. That's how I always try and view the world. Uh, and I believe that as spiritual beings, we come here to learn. And we know, to some extent, what we're going to be facing. And we choose to face that by... Uh, simply putting those obstacles we don't necessarily put all the obstacles in their way but we're able to overcome those obstacles to our own strength now that's the way I look at it some people will say for example uh, you know God won't give you anything you can't deal with it's the exact same thing it's just given different terms from different belief systems different mm -hmm. philosophies and different religions I don't believe anyone has got all the answers and I don't believe that anyone has got it completely wrong where I think that things go wrong in the world is that we all pull in different directions. And one of the things I do love about the work I do is it's trying to kind of draw some of the threads together. It doesn't matter what your belief system is. Work from that spirit within with that divine source that's all around us. And that's where I like to work from, and that's where I try and encourage others to work from. Hmm. Yeah, I, That's a great... I, I totally agree with that. I think that's a great place to be, you know? Mm -hmm. The uh, I've always said uh, that we are in control of our own destiny, and it's by little decisions we make in our life. It's oh, two minutes uh, left. It's okay. where we where we end up where we are, but that doesn't take away uh, your intervention uh, theory, Stephen, at all. There, there may be someone who does hide their car keys, right, and. And someone yeah. will spend time looking for it, but then the, that same person might say, oh, "I'm not wasting any time," and they go run and get a second car keys and jump in that car and they get killed. And they made a decision that maybe they were trying to get intervention, but yet it was overlooked. In other words, they, they made a decision not to take that intervention and still made their own destiny. Absolutely, but, we, we always have free will, Ron. We, you know, we can choose to do well. things. Yeah. We always have free will. Uh, I remember once had a gentleman come to me, I'll be very quick, and uh, he was talking about he'd th two decisions to make. I either do this and life will be very easy, or I do this or life will be hard. Mm -hmm. And he didn't know what to do. He wasn't going to make either. And I said, you do know you've made the third choice. And he said, what's that? <laughs> I said, you're choosing not to do anything. Yeah. <laughs> That's the third choice. You're uh, still okay. making a choice. So regardless what he did, he was always going to have to choose. And, exactly. you know, that's free will. That's, it's just, it's, people can, you know, to, people can open the door, but you need to walk the path. Mm. Right. So, so it anyways, doesn't matter how many trying to we're just that. about out of time. So, Stephen, what's your website in case people want to get in touch with you? It's www.stephenwkscott.com. And we want to thank you so much for joining us. And, uh, you know, next year, Spirit Quest, Angels and Demons. <laughs> Sounds awesome. It's going to be. It's going to be really hot. So, anyways, uh, Stephen, thank you so much for uh, joining us today, and uh, happy Halloween to you or uh, wherever it is out there in Scotland. <laughs> it was great to hear your voice, Stephen. Say hi yeah. to Barry for me. I will do. It was lovely speaking to you. I'll pass on your regards. Oh, thanks. All right. Happy Halloween. Yep, you too. Happy Halloween. <laughs> Good night. So, anyways, that's another uh, show down the tube. So, there you go. Yep. So, uh, and, uh, Happy next Halloween week, you? okay. Oh, yeah. Next week, live video broadcast from EBC TV. It was supposed to be this week, but boohoo, Ann was sick, so it's going to be next Wednesday. 
So Whatever. please tune in and uh, help us celebrate Halloween American style. Yep. Good night. God bless. to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us, good Lord. 780 